helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, welcome to today's program. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You know, if you're looking for advice on topics like purchasing a home, investing, or buying the right insurance, or the right amount, well, this is a program that I think you'll find that's very interesting and entertaining, and we're going to try to have a lot of fun doing it. And so your questions on how to manage your money for retirement, how to look at a disciplined approach on saving for that college education fund, all of that is what we try to answer right here on Talk Money. I was talking to someone recently, and the question was asked, are you frustrated or Do you face some anxiety today because of all that's going on in our nation? Well, I think most of you would say, absolutely. This is trying times. This is a tough time. But I just was recently given some information, and I think it's information that you will find very important and very interesting. It's a history lesson for all of us. The year 1968, we had a pandemic. It was called H3N2. Now, I'm going to give that a little second there. Most of you caught exactly which one that was. H3N2, the Hong Kong flu. Over 100,000 deaths in the United States. COVID-19, as of last week, 102,000. Actually, this week. And 1 million deaths worldwide at the time when most the worst pandemic prior to that was the Spanish flu in 1918. Now, we also had some national problems in our streets called rioting because it was after the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King. And here in Memphis on April the 4th, that's a terrible time for our city, for our country. I mean, it was just uh, it was just anxiety and depression, all those things happening. It's a bad day. Also in 1968, NASA launched the second crewed Apollo mission. It was the mission Apollo 8, Apollo 8 which circled the moon. In fact, the iconic picture that we see in so many things that you see the picture of the Earth as they're looking back to space and back from space at Earth and they take that picture, that was taken during Apollo 8. All that happened, we survived and we went on to prosper and lead the world in every way that we could possibly think of for decades since 1968. My guest today is Rusty Leonard, founder and president of Stewardship Partners. And Rusty has helped me. He actually gave me that that insight into that history lesson in 1968. Welcome to the program, Rusty. Hey, always a pleasure to be with you, Jim. Well, let me ask you this. I just gave your history lesson, 1968. You laid it out for me. It was perfect. Okay, can we do this again? Well, I'm sure we can, and we most likely will. Uh, unless we you know, commit suicide as a nation, which seems unlikely, uh, we will prosper again, just as we did post-1968. It was a terrible time in 1968. In fact, the riots back then were even worse than what we've seen uh, today, where much more damage being done, and many more uh, homes were being burned down in the, in the inner city. and It was terrible. Uh, and we survived that, and we prospered in, after that. And I think the good old American... A way of uh, cleaning up and getting your act together and putting th- putting the pieces back together, trying to make things uh, improve things, uh, will take place again. And we will move on. A decade from now, we'll be we'll look back at this and you know admit what a terrible time it was, but uh, realize that we have overcome those challenges and moved on to bigger and, and greater things, just yeah. as we always have. 
You know, it's always good to hear you that if you just tune in, it's Rusty Leonard. He is the founder and president and CEO of Stewardship Partners, a frequent guest of ours, and gives us our market update. So, Rusty, with that in mind, and I so much appreciate you helping with that, but are you still hopeful that the economy is going to recover? Like it, I mean, all the lockdowns, all the issues, the rioting, all the issues that's going on. I mean, thinking about it, uh, I, you know, there's this this, this pessimism that's, that's kind of frequently being heard. Is that political in your in your mind? Is that the fake news mentality? Or, or are we really going to recover as, a, as quickly as we appear to be doing? Well, uh, I would say two things. Uh, I think there is a lot of fake news and a lot of uh, political pessimism because of the election year in particular. So you really want to talk down the economy if you're a politician. But on the other hand, we are recovering. It already is happening. But it's slower than I would have hoped. And part of that is political as well, because some governors, particularly in the larger states, have uh, kept their uh, economy shut down longer than is necessary. And then some some are still partially shut down. Uh, around where I live in the Philadelphia suburbs, uh, you still you know can't get your hair cut, right? Mm-hmm. So so there's all kinds of things that are that are still shut down here, and it's you know kind of ridiculous at this stage of the game. So that's slowing the economy down, and the longer it you kind of keep your your uh, foot off the gas pedal there and allow this economy to grow as it really wants to grow. Uh, that raises risks, what we call, we call it moving from liquidity risk, which is a short-term problem, to solvency risk, which is the problem, problem of not being able to pay your bills and going bankrupt. And so the longer that we're shut down, the more solvency risk we have and the greater, the, the more difficult the recovery will be. So we, we're hopeful that we kind of get this thing speeded up. But frankly, uh, so far, it's been slower than I would have thought. Well, that's a great point when you think about this flooding. By the way, I've got this image in my mind of what what's actually happening with your hair. I've known you for a long time. <laughs> Two and a half months, no haircut. Welcome to the set. That's why you were thinking 1968, right? I'm, uh, that's right. I'm, I'm glad this is a radio program. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Well, when you got a ponytail, send me a send me a picture of it. I'd love to see that. <laughs> that's great. All right, fake news, and I think that's we all know that's there. But some people are wondering about these the fake markets, and you kind of talked about that. The Fed flooding the markets with liquidity, rising share prices with things are, are clearly not maybe as great as it appears. All right, now. This is my question, and it's a question I think is on everybody's mind. In fact, we're going to talk about it coming up in the second half of the program. Literally, how do we deal with some of this? But is it a fake market? Are we talking about this market's been pumped up and it's not real? Yeah, I, I believe that we've entered into that territory now. Uh, so when when we talked earlier, uh, you know I was quite bullish, and one of the reasons I was bullish was the Federal Reserve was pumping all that liquidity into the market, and the share prices were a lot lower at that stage of the game, right? So it made a lot of sense to, to be bullish and to get in. At this stage of the game, we're looking at share prices being more than a third higher uh, from the from the lows. It's a pretty good run. It's one of the biggest bear market recoveries and fastest bear market recoveries recoveries ever. And so I think it's time to, you know, ease back a little bit on how much risk people might be taking in the market uh because this is a bit of a fake recovery. It's it's ge- generated, you know, mostly by the Fed pumping that liquidity in and less so by actual improvements in the economy. Now we have seen improvements in the economy as we discussed earlier. It's not like there haven't been any. It just seems like the market's running ahead of that maybe a little too far. 
I know the market has a tendency to to run ahead, but so you're thinking a little too far. By the way, if you're hearing the noise in the background, I just want to remind you we are rebuilding, completely remodeling our studios here at KWAM. And I tell you what, it's we're close. We're down to carpet and paint and but you know what? The noise is still here. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. It's still going on. They're doing a phenomenal job. But uh, that is not the dentist office down the street, and somebody's getting a root canal. That's not what's going on right now. <laughs> it's a mess. But I can't wait till it's done. It's going to be beautiful. It looks great. Everybody's excited about it. We, uh, it's, uh, it's been a fun project, but it's like any other construction project. It never goes exactly like you would like for it to do. You know what I'm talking about, Rusty. But you talk oh, yeah. about this going to, running ahead, and I, again – I guess I'm, I'm a little concerned. Would you be telling me then, Rusty, that since you're since you're saying at point it's maybe a little overpriced or a little maybe running ahead a little too much, um, should we be prepared for a 10%, 15% correction? Is this thing running so hard that should we have a big pullback here in the next month, next day, whatever? What, what do you think? Well, I wouldn't say the next day, but certainly um... – you know, it's hard to see the market continuing to uh, go up every day as as it has been recently. We've we've seen, if you look at certain, you know, obviously I'm paid to look at the the markets and, and pay attention to certain statistics and see when they're way out of line. And uh, we can see, like in the put call ratio, for example, it's indicating that there's very little uh, caution in the markets right now. People are all buying calls and not buying any puts. That means that they're, they think the market's going straight up and there's actually no reason to, to have any concerns about it going down. And usually when that happens, and we're kind of in bubble territory for that measure right now, and whenever that happens, you can generally count on you know, getting, having the markets you know, peel back a little bit uh, sometime in the not-too-distant future. So I'm not looking for uh, the markets to collapse. I'm just saying that they, you, know, you probably should take a little risk off the table. If you're in there, uh, you know, all guns a-blazing, you may want to... You know, holster some of those guns and, <laughs> and uh, you know, take some risk off the table right now. That's a good image. That's a great image. Well, you know, the S&P <laughs> is actually down 5% year-to-date, which is amazing. You're right, a speedy recovery. Uh, but that's just 121 stocks in the index. Is, you know, they're actually up when you think it. So the contrast, right. the market, the S&P is down year-to-date. That's through the end of May. But when the fact is of the S&P 500 – 500 stocks now. That's just the you know the you know chosen by market size. Only 121 of those stocks are actually up. So I like what you're telling us. Caution: if you're going into the market, guns are blazing. You might want to holster. I like that. Holster some of your guns. Yeah. All right. right. Many people claim that the country is divided more than it's ever been. Now I know we could go back in history. We've done that, but just in an introduction and. Would you say today is worse than 1968, since we use that as our kind of our benchmark, or or do you see it more divided? And can the U.S. economy prosper? I think everybody's saying we're gonna we're gonna kill ourselves just because we're so divided and and so such a social stress. Everybody's got this bent up anxiety. What's your take? You said it a while ago. You're paid to know this, and I so much respect your opinion. Right. No, I appreciate that. The uh, I would say that um, you know the 1968 analogy is interesting, uh, taken to another level, which was 
because of all those riots and everything, President Nixon ran on a on a or candidate Nixon at that stage of the game ran on a law and order platform and won. Uh, but if you think back to your childhood and my childhood, I was nine years old in 1968. It was a completely different America, and uh, you know there was we were definitely not as divided as we are right now. And it's not clear to me that. Uh, the same outcome of a law and order platform that uh, President Trump is running on will uh, will be successful this time around. I hope it will be, and uh, you know, logic says it should be, but logic doesn't always win when the emotion when people's emotions are running very hot. And so I'm a little concerned that uh, we may see uh, that law and order platform be viewed as a negative rather than as a positive. Believe it or not. And uh, so we, we'll have to wait and see. There's a long time between now and the elections, but the elections are important for the economy. Uh, if the Democrats do end up in control of all three you know, sections of our government, the president, the Senate, and the um, House, which is very possible, uh, the taxation levels will probably rise dramatically, which would be a real hit to uh, everybody's earnings, but corporate earnings as well, and uh, would reduce investment and things of that nature. So. I am concerned that the politics in in 2020 are very different than in 1968. And even while the economy will heal and will go on to bigger and better things, it may uh, take longer than it otherwise should to accomplish that. So let me make sure I understand what you said. I think that, I mean, I think it's important for, let me kind of couch it. Bottom line is we are more divided as a country than probably we've been in in modern history. Is that what you're saying? I mean. Looking oh, for, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Then secondly, politically, and, and I think you said if the House was won, the Senate was won, and the presidency was won by the Democratic Party, we expect then at that point you would see a uh, change in taxation. I mean, really, yeah. which would affect personal income and corporate income, which would affect our economy. Is that that's what you're saying? That is that is correct. And, and that's all, just, you know, when you start when you start shifting the money from the public companies and the people to the government, you know, economic growth slows. You know, that's the, you know, that we have to, you think now, Rusty, that's, you said that as if that's just kind of a matter of fact, but why are, why does that even enter into a conversation when we think about that? If you tax, you said shift it from the personal and corporate coffers to the government coffers, that affects the economy. Why does that even Enter into somebody's conversation. What are you? What? 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 Tell me how I can explain that to somebody. Well, the government, of course, is uh, very inefficient. It's not driven by market forces. Market forces are what uh, drive corporations and personal decisions, and they're much more efficient and make and so better economic decisions are made. So, if if most of the money is being spent by public companies and by individuals in our economy and not by the government, you're going to have more growth, better investments, better returns, you know, all those things are going to be positive. But when, as you see with any political situation, uh, when money's in those hands, there's all kinds of uh, inefficient uh, calls on that money uh, that are related to political power and not to economic uh, reality. And so that, when that money is spent, it's some portion of it is not spent well, and therefore it doesn't derive the same returns and you end up with lower growth rates uh, for the economy and for personal income. So that's why uh, we, we don't want to see that happen. But it's, you know, it's likely if the elections lean on the Democratic side of the equation. Well, I so much appreciate what you're saying. Again, Rusty, Rusty Leonard, president and founder of 
Stewardship Partners, a frequent guest, always does a great job helping us with a market update. But reality, I think it's an economics study. I, you know, today I learned economics. That's a, I, I'm a, I'm a good student, Rusty. I'm listening. I'm paying attention. You are. <laughs> even with all that background noise. I know, even with all the... Take it all in and exactly. make, it, make sense of it. There you go. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. Appreciate it so much. Be safe. Have a great day. And thank you again for being a part of our program. Yep, you as well. God bless. Bye-bye. Rusty Leonard, founder and president of Stewardship Partners. Now, he's been talking about, you know, the economy, the fake news, fake economy, even fake, you know, the whole idea behind what's going on. He, he's talked about history and a divided country. And he literally said he feels the market may be a little overextended, maybe a little overpriced. And so he's predicting there will probably be some kind of a downturn. Well, he didn't say tomorrow, but he said we need to anticipate it. He actually used the term, and I like it, if you're in the market with guns a-blazing, you might want to holster some of your guns. Well, my guest now is Michael Powell and Scott Jordan. And, Michael, welcome to the program. Scott, welcome to the program. Good morning. It's great to be back. Great to be here, Jim. Guys, here's the question for us. I mean, with Rusty, what he's saying to us is the reality is I think it's reality for a lot of people to – fear what's going on, but they don't know exactly why. So let's talk about, you know, we just kind of heard the reasons that the fear is there, but what do you do with that? The fact being what investing is, I want you to help me with that, you know, Michael, and why is it simple in your terms or question for you, is it simple? Oh yeah, absolutely it is. And one thing I want to give a quick breakdown of is what investing like a simple term of that okay that's a good or point. definition i, of I that think term. that's a good point to start with that so our listening audience kind of gets this idea because some people are not always thinking what really right. is investing good point. and all it is is just giving up something now in order to gain more at some time in the future and when you think about that we think about our time invested in maybe educating ourselves getting a degree of some sort to further our career or it's even putting our money away now to benefit later on. The biggest example we always talk about on this show, a lot of time is retirement. Because one day we're not gonna be we're gonna be supporting ourselves off what we saved instead of what exactly, you know, we're getting paid from an employer. So that's important to know that simple term there. So so making sure that we understand it's investing in something like that. Scott, you wanna add to that? No, I think that's a I think that's a good way to look at it. You know, you're basically saying I'm gonna I'm gonna forego spending this money today and enjoying it today so that I'll have something in the future. And that and that that is a very simple concept to just say this is why I'm doing this, right? We always talk about this on the show is is the why is so important in investing. That's a good so point. that why is I need this money in the future for whatever that reason. I need to educate my kids. I need I wanna buy a second home. I wanna retire. Whatever that reason, that why is very important and then, then the how is is the investing part of it. All right, that. guys. Now think about it. You said sacrificing something that you do today. Now that's the sixty inch, you know, flat screen color, H D T V, you know, the whole bit or the new truck or the fishing boat or what are the trip to oh, Disney? Oh, now. Oh, well, now. <laughs> all right. It's summertime, Jim. <laughs> okay. Let me, Don't take away everything. Take away, come on. You know, can't always do that. But here's the thought, guys. I mean, so many times. So a lot of times investing for some people is their 401k. And that's sure. the only thing they're doing. Right. And yet you mentioned investing for other things. And I guess, Michael, I want you to kind of lean in. And help us understand if I'm investing for college education funds for kids, 
or that trip to Disney, whatever I'm doing, the, the rainy day fund out there, help me understand the simple way of looking at it and how to how do I understand what I'm doing? I mean, I think so many people think of investing as not being as simple as you're thinking it is. Oh, yeah. And think of it two different ways when it comes to investing. you got two choices. You're either loaning to someone or you're owning something. I call it loanership and ownership. It's good. And when we talk about investing, most of the time you think of stocks. That's owning something. I own part of an asset, whether it's a big corporation or I start my own lemonade stand. You know, I live and die on how that performance goes with owning something like that. I'm trying to imagine Michael at a lemonade stand. Yeah, it's pretty picture. I think sales would skyrocket during this time of the year. But <laughs> yes, I agree with that. You know, maybe not so much. People don't want to drink my lemonade due to all the coronavirus. How much going would you on. charge for a glass of lemonade? Don't even. You know, I can't. Can you imagine that? I got a website coming okay, up. Okay, I got a website. I like it. But, but okay, I understand ownership. Yeah, and then loanership is thinking of like starting a bank account, savings account, CDs. I'm giving something up. I'm lending it to someone else for a short amount of time or even a longer amount of time um, in order to gain all that back. But I'm taking less risk just because, you know, the bank or someone stronger of a corporation, they're the ones handling it, but they're promising to pay me that back. All right, let me ask you this. Let me take your lemonade stand. I like that. So if I own the lemonade stand and hire you to work, I own the lemonade stand. At the end of the day, I'm taking all the risk. Exactly. I mean, bottom line, you don't show up. I got to go work at the lemonade stand, whatever's going on. If it's all over and done, everybody walks away, you know. Now, if I loan you the money for the lemonade stand, right. I'm only taking the risk of what I loaned you. That's the maximum I could have as far as risk is concerned. And if you didn't perform and faulted on my loan, I'd at least get the stand. You know, exactly. And, and whatever inventory you got. In yeah, whatever I've left over for whatever you. Whatever you got left over. Hey, that would last for at least a day or two. There you go. All right, that's the difference then. If I'm, I'm taking the risk, if I own it, I'm loaning it. I'm only taking the risk. of It's a maximum amount of risk. Right. And the biggest one for owning besides your 401k is owning a house. Okay. Right? Because if you own something, I talked about this with you this morning before we even came on the show. It's like when you own something, you care about it more. Right. So if I buy a house, whether I'm using it as a rental property or I'm just owning it for my own to live in, I'm going to make sure I take care of things, maintain the roof, air conditioning, maybe paint it up a little bit. You know, we're quarantined so much. You can think of all the different things around your house you look at and you're like, oh man, I need to improve this and whatnot. So the more I put into that house, the more likely it's going to be worth more later when I decide to move or sell it. So... That's what that's the biggest thing when it comes to owning something is you care about it more. All right, so. that makes a ton of sense. So loanership and ownership, and you use the you know, I said lemonade stand purchasing a house. Great example is purchasing a house. So if you're going to be doing that type of investing, when we come back, I want you to help me understand. I guess what a person needs, what kind of temperament they mm-hmm. need if they're loaning or if they're buying, purchasing. Right. Mm-hmm. You might understand? Because I don't think everybody's made the same way. You know, I, we've sat down with couples before and, you know, you're talking to one and Scott, you, you know, you're shaking your head. Bottom mm-hmm. line is you got one that's just totally, you know, ready to go. Yeah. They're the gunslingers. Right. And the other one said, not a chance. All right. So when we come back, I want to find out a little bit more about temperament and thoughts and what's going on there. You just tuned in. Of course, I'm talking today with Michael Powell and Scott Jordan. We're talking about what's investing 
And why is it simple? Or is it simple? We're going to help you understand that. We're also going to talk about why you use a mutual fund sometimes to be in the investment arena. Stay with us. We'll be right back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Jim Shoemaker, Scott Jordan, and Michael Powell are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Neither Security and Financial Services, Inc. nor Shoemaker Financial are affiliated with Rusty Leonard or Stewardship Partners Investment Council, Inc. The views and opinions expressed are those of Rusty Leonard only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Security and Financial Services, Inc., or Shoemaker Financial. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, despite the current market volatility and the fact that our first guest, Rusty Leonard, talked about maybe we're a little overpriced and could possibly see a downturn this summer, I think the best advice that I want to give you is simply to step back, look at the big picture, and avoid any hasty decision. I just feel like that sometimes we get this whole thought process going on and our emotions get, and these guys are going to talk about that, but we prepared a white paper for you and it's entitled Don't Panic. And if you would like a copy of that paper, just go to our Facebook page and all you have to do is Shoemaker Financial Facebook, search for the document. It's titled, it's in our post, it's titled Don't Panic. And you should be able to view it, the document, download it to a PDF and print it. It's yours for free. All you have to do is go to the Shoemaker Financial Facebook page, and the name of the paper is Don't Panic. And I think it's important. I think it's just it's, it's great. We'll talk some more about it in a few minutes, but I just wanted to kind of let you know that we had prepared that for you. Now, Michael, I, I mentioned before the break their temperament, and we've talked about temperaments a lot. Scott, mm-hmm. you and I have talked about that a lot. The reality that nobody's made the same, and when you start investing – even though you say it's simple, it may be simple, but my temperament can make it very hard. Oh, yeah. Very and that's complex. what happens to us. Mm-hmm. So talk about that. Talk about the temperament. Talk about what you, what you say to somebody, what you say to your clients. So one thing I've, as far as investing goes, you got to remember is that the greater potential for return you may get, thinking about, you know, hey, I'm putting money aside now for the long term to get more but the more potential return I may get, the greater risk I may take. And like Scott said in the beginning of the show, when we were talking about why we do investing for the long term, we got to think about the why. And, you know, it, it all comes down to why and then my time horizon and then how I can feel if things do go abrupt like we did in the beginning of March. I like that. So I, I can think- you handle that? If these type of things happen. And so if you have a why and you, you know, if you're thinking through that, you've got a strategy, you got a plan, you got a why, you don't let those emotions get caught up. So again, let me tell you about the Facebook page, Shoemaker Financial Facebook. Go to our Facebook page, scroll down, find this document. It's a white paper called Don't Panic. Print it, you know, put it to a PDF and then print it. I want you to do that for us and we'd appreciate it. I think it'll be very helpful for you. Scott, when we talk about investing like that, and you talk about temporal much, we use something called the maps. Absolutely. You know, tell me about it, because I think so many times that's a struggle for some people. Well, I think that's, you know, that's a tool that we use to try to get at that temperament. Now, it's hard to determine exactly how you're going to react till you get in the situation. But questionnaires like that help us try to determine what someone's temperament is. So, 
you know, one of the worst things is is to like he's like Michael was just saying. You know, when you're offered higher returns, that's because most of the time there's greater risk. So you want to be in an investment that that can remain an investment, right? So knowing your temperament and not letting a severe temporary downturn becoming a permanent loss of capital. And you do that by selling out, right, or panicking. So we use the, we use the questionnaire and, and tools like that to try to gauge somebody's risk tolerance so that we can put them in the proper portfolio that we believe they can handle. It's good that you mentioned that, Scott, especially like it's a different perspective when you're on paper writing out how would you react in right. certain situations or even if you see stuff in the news now, this is what I would do. Uh, what's that quote from Mike Tyson? Everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the face. Yeah, I love that one. <laughs> I mean, that's, <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly how investing is sometimes yeah. because you may say, yeah, I mean, if the market went down 30%, I wouldn't do anything. I would just hold. I'd be okay. But then when it actually happens, you, I mean, you know, it, you know it over the years. I mean, emotionally, that's a lot harder to separate tough. out. It gets real tough, yeah. All right, guys. But now we talk about emotions. We talk about risk. We talk about investing. Why is it simple or is it? Here's the reality. I hear people sometimes talk to me about, well, I think investing is gambling. And, and Michael, gambling, I mean, I, I don't gamble. I am not a gambler. Um, I, you know, my money comes too hard, you know. And for me to go to Las Vegas or, or Tunica or any place like that, I, I just have never, now I'm not saying it's wrong or shouldn't go it. People do it and it's a, it's a part of their entertainment. Here's the problem. I don't see investing as entertainment. And I think gambling can be entertainment where investing is a logical approach to using money wisely. Now, not notice I said wisely. Wisely, You yes. know what I mean? So right. help me with that. Do you, what do you say when somebody says, is it gambling? They get Those two terms get misconstrued sometimes because people think of the investing portion or as gambling because they've seen people lose money in it. And gambling... Nine times out of ten, people lose. Well, I hate to say <laughs> this. I've been to Vegas and I've been to two. Those are big, nice, nice shiny buildings hotels. and stuff. And it's like not like they got money in their pocket paying <laughs> for it. You know, the people that go into it typically. The losers have paid for it. The those. house always wins or whatever that's you right. say. But really, when you talk about gambling, that's simple term of the, or definition of that. Really, it's just subjecting your money to an exceedingly high level of risk when it comes to attempt to getting some sort of profit off of a game or a contest and investing is not that at all because there's no game or contest when it comes to putting my money into a corporation or a company because I mean you're not going to be able to see that quick of a return or a loss that quickly when it comes to investing. That's a good point. Investing I mean, is long term. It's long term and that's the why Michael and that's the why Scott that is so critical to what we're talking about. I, I think when you're when you're thinking of investing it, it's it's taking a reasonable risk for a reasonable return right and 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 what is reasonable maybe three to five percent above inflation. Uh, I'll bring another term into the fold here speculation because we all hear those stories of you know, the guy that's sitting in his dorm room and he may, you know, turn $200 into $20 million buying penny stocks. Right. That is a little different than investing. That is speculation. And that can offer great returns, but you have to understand you're also taking a great amount of you risk. You don't hear about that. the guy who invested no, no, no. $200 and lost every bit of it <laughs> right. 100 times. Right, no. right. You don't hear about so that guy. It's important to distinguish between those. I think that's a great point, too. Now, if you just tuned in, my guests, Michael Powell, Scott Jordan, and workers, they're here at the studios of KWAM <laughs> in Memphis. 
They are literally going through a, we are going through a renovation, doing a great job. We're breathing the dust. You know, it's fun <laughs> to watch them. They'll walk in and I can see them. Oh, we have a lot of glass in the studios now and I can see them. And they're watching me and you're going, you can tell they're going, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be making so much noise. But then they still have to do what they're doing. So, hey, it's being patient and flexible and I can't wait till the studios are done here at KWAM in Memphis, Tennessee. So, all right, guys, you, great thoughts about simple investing, but I got this last question for you, and Michael, I'm going to address it to you. I think people, I think this is the struggle with a lot of people. What's the purpose? And people have lost sight sometimes of the real true purpose of investing. What do you say to people when they think, when you can sense that they just have lost, it's either speculation, it's either they don't know the risk, and they just have lost that purpose. What do you say to them? Yeah, I mean, it's investing originally came from whether you're owning something or loaning it. Back to the lemonade stand. Right, back to the lemonade stand. You are supplying capital, you're working capital to businesses or corporations or governments, right? And people think that, you know, they're trying to profit from the stock market itself, rather than actually using like production or intrinsic value um, of the underlying companies they're in. Like, I, you know, the S&P 500, everybody refers to that as the stock market, you know, the Dow Jones, NASDAQ, et cetera. But we can't actually invest in those things. That's just a representation of the American economy. So you got to look at exactly what you're investing in in those companies and ask yourself a couple simple questions, Jim. It's, you know, do I use this product? Do I use that company's services? Would I recommend them to other people? And those type of things, if you don't follow those same beliefs of those companies, then you probably shouldn't invest in them. Because really, I mean, our hard-earned money, we want it to go places that are going to better society most of the time and also better our pockets at the end of the day. You know, I so much appreciate you saying that because, Scott, I'm going to lean into you. So many people, I would say... 85% of our listening audience buy more mutual funds yeah. than they do anything else. And I think mutual fund investing, for the majority, especially in their 401k, they don't really know what they're investing in. So it really kind of helped me with this. Can you, can you help me with what a what is a mutual fund for our listening audience? Because I feel like that this is where they struggle at this point. They, they, that's the only way they're doing it, but they really don't comp- comprehend totally what they're doing. What, what do you say? To and, that? I, and I think it's kind of a confusing concept to a lot of people. I mean, those fall under that category of investment companies, you know, mutual funds, closed end funds, unit investment trusts, even the newer, the exchange traded funds. And you can think of those really, whether it's, and I'll focus on mutual funds here as a big pool of money. So it's collecting money from a lot of different investors so when you when you invest in a mutual fund you buy shares in a mutual fund and that represents a percentage ownership in that fund so you have a big pool of money everybody puts a little bit of money together and now you have a big pool of money that represents a share of a fund all right when we come back i want to find out what are we investing in because that's what you were talking about Mm -hmm. michael is knowing what you're investing in how it can i scott here's my question how can i as an investor know what I'm inve- What if it's investing in something I don't like? Do I have a choice? What can I do? And if you just tuned in, Michael Powell is my guest. Scott Jordan is my guest. We're talking about basically investing, and is it simple, and is it really? And then what are you investing in? And we're going to talk about mutual funds, and we're going to talk about just about what type of security 
are we investing in? We're going to listen to Rebecca Brazier. She's going to tell us another history moment in just a second. Now, let me say this. Despite all this noise that's going on, not the noise here at the studio, but market volatility noise, the best advice I can do you, give you is the simplest. Stay, step back, look at the big picture, and avoid hasty decisions. We have for you a white paper titled Don't Panic. And we want you to get it, and it's on our Facebook page. Just simply go to Shoemaker Financial. You can go to make it a PDF and print a copy. I believe you will find it to be helpful. I'm Jim Shoemaker. We'll be right back. This is Talk Money. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. The winter of 1811-1812 proved to be a tumultuous time in the Mid-South in more ways than one. From the middle of December to the beginning of February, the Missouri Boot Hill was struck violently by a series of powerful earthquakes along the new Madrid Fault. With an affected area of over 1 million square miles, these were the most powerful earthquakes to hit the eastern United States in history, including the 1906 San Francisco earthquake, which covered only 6,000 200 square miles. The town of New Madrid itself was destroyed. The Mississippi River flowed backwards for 24 hours, forming Real Foot Lake, and as far away as Boston and Toronto, the shaking was intense enough to cause the church bells to ring and chimneys to fall over in Maine. At the request of Governor William Clark, federal disaster relief was granted by the government for the first time. Had those earthquakes occurred today, they could have caused one of the greatest economic disasters in the history of the United States. This has been another Mid-South History Moment brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. The S&P is an unmanaged index of 500 large-cap stocks. Investors cannot invest in an index. Investments will fluctuate, and when redeemed, may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. And now, back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. My guest, Michael Powell, Scott Jordan. We have been talking about, is investing simple? Or maybe a better way to put it, investing is simple. And then I have to ask the question, is it? And Michael has done a great job of giving us the insight into that and helping us to know how to look at investing. And I think I want you to know that if you would like to listen to this podcast, just simply go to the iTunes store and Click on Shoemaker Financial. You can listen to this podcast again from from Rusty talking about the economy. And Rusty mentioned that there is a potential downturn, a overbought market that's going to cause a correction of some kind. He wasn't trying to be predicting it, but he's just simply saying, if you're a gunslinger in the market, you might want to holster some of your guns. And I think that's important. So despite all of this volatility and all that type stuff, we prepared a white paper for you. It's titled Don't Panic. And if you would like a copy of the white paper, just simply go to Facebook page, Shoemaker Financial. And all you have to do is search for that document that's called Don't Panic. And uh, it's available for you. And all you do is load it to a PDF and then you can print it off. And I want you to get that. Feel free to do that. We want you to be able to pick up that white paper and have the insight to it. I led 
I left it a while ago, and I, I and I think Scott, this was important. We were going through this idea of investing in a mutual fund instead of out buying individual things. Okay, now a mutual fund. Everybody's heard of a mutual fund, but help us understand what are we actually buying in a mutual fund. That's a great question, Jim. You know, uh, going back to the mutual fund being that big pool of money, so that allows a small investor to become part of a large portfolio of investments, and that's managed by a professional management team. So that's one of the biggest benefits of being in a fund is having that, that professional management. And there are funds out there that invest in just about every type of security. You have mutual funds that buy stocks in individual companies. You have mutual funds that buy bonds mortgages, commercial paper, MLPs, real estate. There are funds out there that buy all those types of securities and some that buy them all, by the way. Mm -hmm. You can have one that focuses on one in particular or one that's kind of more of an allocation that buys all of that. And all of that is laid out in a document called the prospectus. Now, you've seen one of those it's it's great reading. Yeah, material. I was having usually about sleeping one night <laughs> yeah. and decided that would be my sleeping. You know, put me to and it didn't take but one page, and I was out like a lot. Right. So it's all the ground rules are laid out in that prospectus, but you can also go to the fun websites and get what we call fact sheets. You know what we ought to do? Kinda... We ought to poll the, the country, <laughs> Memphis, Tennessee. How many people have read a prospectus? page from the beginning to the end? Have guilty. You ever done that? <laughs> guilty. You guilty? Yeah, you ever but... done it, Michael? I've skimmed it. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. A little been, nighttime I've been reading. I've been doing this 40 asleep. years. I'm going to tell you how many I've read. Zero. Yeah. You know, because, again, now I've got certain pages I go sure, through. Sure, absolutely. 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 But to read that. the entire perspective. So if I'm buying a mutual fund, now, Scott, this I'm going to be honest with you. If I'm buying a mutual fund and you hand me that prospectus, it's it scares Greek. me to death. It's Greek. It's all I mean, I'm looking at this language. and said, if you take this risk, you've got a chance to lose everything, <laughs> your shirt, your house, yeah. your car, your children, everything. Absolutely. And, you know, and I think that's where, you know, like I said, you can go to a fund website and get that fact sheet that'll give you more of a summary of what the fund is actually focused on and what they're doing, go into some of the holdings. And I think that is critical to do. I think it's really critical to understand what you're buying. You go and going back to that, Ownership, loanership that Michael talked about, whichever side of that fence you're on, you need to know what kind of companies you're owning and know who you're loaning money to. So, Jim, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it, is Scott explaining it basically like if I bought something at the grocery store, like a food item, and I'm looking at the nutrition label, That's, what's all in, what's what's all been cooked in here? That's right. essentially what that is, right? Yes, I think that's a good analogy. That's a great I don't know if y'all read your labels. I do. When you go to the grocery store, well, a lot more people are more aware <laughs> Trust of their me, health. You can now. look at this physique I and tell I am already. reading the labels. Hey, I've decided if you go grocery shopping like you're talking about, it's twenty extra minutes if I go with my wife. Right, right. Because she's going to look at every deal and she reads it. Don't put. I actually did that with two boxes of cereal the other day. Try to decide which box to buy. You yeah. know, it was shocking. You know, and that's, that's probably. I mean, that's the exact same way as what Scott's been explaining about a prospectus. Of course, it's a lot thicker of a nutrition label, <laughs> to say the least. But I mean, you got to know at least a little bit about the ingredients inside of it right. just to make sure that I it's something that applies to you. Important because of what you said earlier, knowing the stocks that you're buying. And so, help me understand when you're when I'm buying a mutual fund, and Scott, either one of you guys, I need to know. Can I can I see actually specifically what I'm buying? Yes. 
and they they will tell me and they're changing when they change they have to i know if i just go in and look right it's reported quarterly so you know they they report their holdings quarterly so you know there's a little delay on that and they may have made some changes between that time but you can definitely see what they owned and uh well you know that's a they're they're they have a philosophy or a management philosophy, so they don't want to give away all their secrets, but you can dig in there and, and see what can, they hold. And the protection, those prospectus is going to tell you the type of companies they're buying or the, the, the focus of the mutual fund, whether they're buying, you know, maybe growth companies or we're going to focus on buying value companies. So there's managers out there for all types of investment discipline, uh, and they provide a great way to diversify your portfolio. All right. Keeping in mind, we know it's a turnover rate where the turnover rate inside a mutual fund can be 25%, which means over a period of a year, 25% of the funds are sold and something else is bought or 100%, saying sure. that 100% of it would be bought and sold during that year or even more than that, 125%. So you're turning much faster and much more. And of course, that creates some problems. And people have to be aware that if you're buying something that's got a 125% turnover rate, you're probably going to end up paying more taxes. And I guess I'm not going to ask us to get into the weeds on the taxation of a mutual fund, but people need to be sensitive to that. And if you're buying a mutual fund, you need to know that it's taxed differently. Some mutual funds are taxed differently. Mm -hmm, they're all sure. taxed, but they're, they're going to have a turnover rate yep. that's cre create taxes, either dividends or whatever. But what about the allocation or, the, or how you, p you position a portfolio, Scott? Well, you know, going back, we talked about temperament earlier, but based on that, you're trying to decide what what do I want my asset allocation to be? How much do I want in that ownership or that stock category versus that bond category versus cash? And again, that that mutual fund allows uh, even somebody with a small amount of money to obtain a well-diversified portfolio by buying a fund. And, and there are so many different types out there. So, you know, getting that diversification or that spreading that money into different investments to try to reduce overall risk of, of one company going out of business, right? When you diversify, you're, you're, you're saying, I'm going to buy a bunch of companies so that in the unfortunate event that one company doesn't make it or goes out of business, Michael's lemonade stand didn't quite go like he thought it was going oh, to. Oh, it's going to be an empire. Then, then we're we're going to buy a bunch of lemonade stands because we don't want to just be dependent on Michael. He may decide to sleep in today <laughs> and not sell any lemonade. So. That's, a great, that's a great way to look at it. Guys, let me ask you this. I mean, how liquid? I mean, if I've got to get my money, if I'm invested in mutual funds, and I, and I really feel like that I need to know how liquid are, am I, Michael? Typically, you could get it by the end of a close of a business day. Whereas if I buy an individual stock, I could sell it as long as the market's open. Just remember that. As long as the market's open, if someone is buying it from me as I sell it, it's immediately liquid there. But a mutual fund's a little bit different because it's a lot more moving parts. So by the end of a business day, it's able to close. And typically, you can get your money in two to three days, business days, I'd say. So so liquidity is, is not Pretty an quick. issue, really. Pretty quick. Pretty Quicker quick. than selling a house, I'll okay. tell you that. <laughs> well, actually, I get that. All right, guys, mutual fund, when we're talking about this, and Scott, you, you kind of said this a little bit, but I want to dive into it. Knowing the person who's actually managing the stocks inside the mutual fund, to the average public person, I mean, you know, our listening audience, they don't know who's managing it. What's the responsibility of the advisor 
And how much do you try to help the client know what the manager's doing? You know, that kind of depends on the client. Some want to know a lot. Some don't care. But as our role is what we do is we spend a lot of time talking to money managers and, and about their philosophy and how they manage money. So that's something we pay a lot of attention to. Now, all that's going to be disclosed in that big book, The Prospectus, and and on the website and everything else. So you can do research and find out who's managing the fund. Uh, one of the other big advantages of mutual funds is you have a a public history of the performance and, and the manager and how they've done. So there's research that can be done out there that I tell you a lot about the management team, a lot of how they performed in the past. Now, we always say past performance is no indication of the future, but when you're making decisions about who you want to manage your money, sometimes that's all you have to look at is the past information now we're, we're looking at past information to make future decisions but it gives you an idea of what they have a history of doing and and how they manage money so i think it's critically important to look into that and at know least, who's managing at least money. have some idea. and that's something we do for our clients sure. we spend a lot of time doing that for our well clients. you know you talked about asset allocation i know we talk a lot of times on the program about asset allocation diversification and rebalancing and as you just said Past performance is not a future indication of future performance, but asset allocation, diversification, and rebalancing doesn't guarantee that there's not going to be a loss. So you can have a loss in a mutual fund, even though you may have an excellent manager who's picked excellent stocks. It's just in the market. That's right. LeBron James loses sometimes. Uh, yeah, that's true. And so you have to understand that. So, again, the reality is, despite all of this that's going on, this white paper that we're talking about, Don't Panic, it's critical for people to know about. Scott, you want to close with something? You got a thought? Well, I would close with this. You know, we're talking a lot about investments, how to choose investments, uh, you know, talking about mutual funds. But I would say one of the most important things as an investor, when you figured out that why, what those goals are, is the behavior after you pick the investments. I, I've, I've quoted Peter Lynch before. I'll say it again. He, his famous quote is, whatever, whatever method you use to pick stocks or mutual funds, your ultimate success or failure will depend on your ability to ignore the worries of the day long enough to allow your investments to work. And I yeah. think that is critical to ignore being a successful. Ignore the noise of the day yeah. yep. to give your investments long enough time to work. Ignore the now and focus on the long term. That's hard. Michael? I would say keep things simple. Don't try to overcomplicate it and know your why. Hey, that's great. Know your great. why. Well, we've prepared a white paper for you. I've talked about that. It's called Don't Panic. If you would like a copy of that, simply go to Shoemaker Financial Facebook page, search for the document on our, in our post, and there you'll be able to view it. And uh, if you'd like to print it, download it to the PDF, and you can print it there. So it's called Don't Panic. We want you to get that. We think it'll help you. It's free, absolutely. So please go to the Facebook page. You've been listening, of course, to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9, the mighty 990. My guest, Rusty Leonard, stewardship partners, founder and CEO, also Michael Powell and Scott Jordan. If you have additional questions for Michael or Scott and would like to talk to them personally, give them a call at 757-5757. If you have questions for Talk Money, go to our Facebook page and let us know. To find today's program or podcast on past programs, go to iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial and be sure to like us on Facebook. Whether you're looking for advanced, you know, advice on advanced topics or you're buying a home, investing, buying mutual funds, insurance or whatever, Talk Money is here to answer your questions. Next week, we have conversations that you're going to find to be interesting. It's about whether or not if you're getting married, 
Here's what you're doing. How do you look like for a checklist for newlyweds? And also we're going to talk about elder financial abuse. That's Saturday morning at 10 a.m. on the Mighty 990. This is Talk Money, and I'm Jim Shoemaker, helping you make the most of your money. Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker, Scott Jordan, and Michael Powell are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.